0: Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about achieving authenticity. Jessie's boss wanted her to be more bold. Jessie wanted that for herself, too. During one of our first conversations, she said, One thing I've been doing to try to become more bold is to speak up sooner. I see other people do it, and I know it works. But when I try it, I get completely self-conscious and awkward, like I'm watching myself give a really bad performance. It feels completely inauthentic to me. I don't think I can be bold if I'm feeling phony. That comment from her began a conversation that lasted for several months about what it means to be authentic. Addressing her concern about being phony, I replied, to me, that sounds like the self-consciousness that comes when you learn anything new. New behaviors obviously can't feel as integrated as lifelong habits. But that awkwardness doesn't mean you're not being authentic. You're just continuing your development, authentically. She mulled that over and then said, so... I just need to be an authentic version of myself that happens to speak up sooner. She liked that. At our next meeting, Jessie began by reporting that the idea of being an authentic version of herself who happened to speak up sooner had actually worked. She said, I spoke up sooner the other day. It felt like it was just some other part of me. It was like I had flipped some switch. And that didn't feel phony, I asked with some surprise. No. Because it was me throwing the switch. And it's my switch. I'm not trying to be someone else. However, I speak up sooner is how I speak up sooner. I mean, I might be better at it in a year, but right now, I'm doing my best. That reminded me of a comment I'd heard a singer make during a radio interview. I told Jessie I'd heard an interviewer ask if, during the making of her album... She had been intimidated recording a Gershwin ballad that had been recorded by so many greats before her. With a big smile in her voice, the singer answered, Hey, I can only do what I do. It's going to be my version no matter what. I just knew I loved that song and wanted to sing the heck out of it. She had grabbed my attention when she said that. It sounded completely authentic. She wasn't boastful. She didn't inflate or deflate herself in comparison to anyone else. Nor was she modest. She completely embraced her own style. If she wasn't to your liking, well, that'd be a shame, but she'd survive. That balance of confidence and humility creates one type of authenticity. But there are others. Another time, a concern of Jessie's. Allowed us to examine authenticity from a different angle. Her group had taken on another assistant. Jessie knew that the assistant's ultimate success would be determined by how thoroughly she, Jessie, trained her. She said, That means I have to be available to her all the time. And I want to be, but sometimes when she knocks on my door, I get angry. I'm sure she sees it, but I don't really mean it. She worried. For that split second, I really am angry about being interrupted one more time, so my reaction is authentic, but the message I'm sending isn't the one I authentically want to send, so am I being authentic or not? I suggested she try to answer that question by observing herself closely for a while. At the next session, she had a big smile on her face. She said, I am so relieved. I asked why. She said, well, I sat her down and I told her my concern. I explained I didn't mean to appear angry, that I really do want her to come to me whenever she needs to. And she was great. She said she knew it didn't mean anything and she thanked me for telling her. So now I can be authentic around her and not worry. I said, so letting her know how you are experiencing yourself "'allows you to behave authentically in the future. "'Am I getting it right?' "'Yeah,' she agreed emphatically. "'She liked that so much, she asked me to say it again. "'I said, "'Telling her how you experience yourself "'allows you to behave authentically in the future.' "'Right,' she agreed. "'So from now on, "'I don't have to try and hide that impatient part of me "'and be someone I'm not. "'I can just be authentic.' You know what's interesting, I asked? I didn't think your story was about you being authentic in the future. I thought it was about you having already been authentic. How so, she asked. I thought the authentic moment happened when you sat her down and told her your concern. That was authentic. Your ability to narrate your experience of yourself made you authentic in the moment. I went on explaining... You were able to say to her, hey, here's what's happening with me. I know I'm doing it. It's not what I intend. I'm sorry if I look angry. That's authentic because it's so high in self-awareness. This was a double win for Jessie. She had been authentic in her disclosure, and she could be authentic in the future. At a later coaching session, we explored another type of authenticity. Jessie was upset with herself. One of her direct reports had made a mistake that was going to create a big ripple with another department. The mistake was completely understandable, but before she had been able to stop herself, she had done a bit of ranting, more than the situation called for, she thought. I said, Jessie, you're allowed to have feelings. They're as authentic as any other part of you. She shook her head. I don't think emotions belong in the workplace, especially women's emotions. Jessie, I said, for the most part, your emotions are out of the workplace. I don't think this one rant means your feelings are running wild. Listen, I've seen leaders of both genders benefit from a genuine display of emotion. I told her that a few years earlier, I had coached a leader named Marla. Like Jessie, Marla was distressed at having lost her temper. I was curious to hear Marla's story because she didn't seem like someone who lost control easily. She said that during a staff meeting, one of her direct reports blindsided her when he admitted he hadn't completed a report that had been due the previous staff meeting. This despite the fact that just a few days before, he had assured her he'd have the report at the staff meeting. Marla felt this breach was unacceptable and she had lost her temper. I asked Marla, ''Did you call him names?'' ''No, but I told him how upset I was, and I told him exactly why. But I know I talked really fast, and I felt my body heating up the whole time. That's me losing my temper.'' ''But, Marla, your response seems completely reasonable,'' I said. ''He broke a commitment to you, and then caught you off guard in a staff meeting. Anger seems appropriate.'' But I don't want a reputation for flying off the handle or whatever it's going to be, Marla said. A one-time display isn't going to create your reputation, I replied. Stopping the story, I said to Jesse, But that one-time display did create her reputation for the better. She became known as a straight shooter, Her team began to see her as someone who would hold them to high standards and be passionate about the work. It was a turning point for her and her team, a positive one. That's a good story, Jesse said, still cautious, but feelings in the workplace just seem dangerous to me. I told Jesse, pretending you don't have any feelings won't make you authentic. In fact, I think it would make you less authentic. Isn't this just permission to throw tantrums? We're not talking about throwing tantrums, I said. We're talking about an appropriate expression of emotions. Naming your feelings while you're having them is deeply authentic. It's particularly important when you're interacting with your direct reports. They need to trust that you'll tell them what's important to you. Marla made it clear to her entire staff exactly what was important to her. She showed it through her feelings. And she was able to narrate it. I'm really upset. Here's why. She owned that she was upset, but she wasn't acting upset. She wasn't shouting or throwing things. She wasn't calling him names. She wasn't shaming him. It was very authentic. Throughout our many months of coaching, Jesse had taken copious notes. By the end of our engagement, She had created a little cheat sheet for herself about authenticity. It read, To be authentic. Number one, Trying something new doesn't mean I'm not being authentic. New behaviors aren't comfortable. I can tolerate that. Number two, My way of doing things is my way of doing things. I'll be my version of bold. Whatever that looks like, Will be authentic because it'll be mine number three balance confidence with humility number four feelings happen express them appropriately number five narrating my experience is always authentic tell people what I'm experiencing while it's happening or as soon afterwards as possible I told Jessie that was a great list. In truth, Jessie was very high in self-awareness. As a consequence, she often displayed the look and sound of leadership. Many of our more than 100 podcasts like this one talk about managing yourself. Because let's face it, you're never going to manage anyone more difficult than you. If you'd like to gain mastery over yourself, four other podcasts you might listen to are Act with Intention, from February 2008. Leading with Your Heart, January 2006. Project the Image You Want, October 2008. And Self-Awareness and Self-Management, October 2012. While we're on the subject of podcasts, last month in the podcast called Your Goodwill Bank Account, I mentioned two interviews I had done on other people's podcasts. One was on the Coaching for Leaders podcast with Dave Stachowiak, episode 107. The other was on Operation Self-Reset with Jake Naraki, episode 40. This month, I'd like to mention another interview I did. This was on Jesse Leahy's podcast called The Engaging Leader. My interview with Jesse was about executive presence. It was posted in November 2012. It was his episode number 11. A podcast listener in India wrote me recently about Jesse's interview with me saying, I have never before heard anything so specific about behaviors and how to change them. Well, thanks for the feedback. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the feedback I get from all of you, whether it's directly to me through the website or through the ratings and reviews that you post in iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Let me get back to the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast and the idea of managing yourself. All of our podcasts are available to you on the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. That's essentialcom with two Ms.com. From our homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That'll put you in a free archive of all of our podcasts. You can search the archive by categories that interest you, and one of those categories is Managing Yourself. There are more than 60 tips in that category to help you build your self-awareness and your self-management skills. Frankly, you simply can't achieve the look and sound of leadership without self-awareness and self-management. I hope you'll take advantage of all those resources. Many podcast listeners tell me that in addition to listening to the podcast, they like receiving the HTML version of the executive coaching tips. If you'd like to get the email version too, When you're on the website, just hit the subscribe button. I'd love to add you to the list. If you want tips from the past, every one of the executive coaching tips is available on the website as a PDF that you can save for yourself or you can forward it to others. Every episode of the podcast is also available on the website. And it's available in iTunes or in Stitcher to search for the look and sound of leadership. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel.